Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. Today we are talking to Rod Smith, who farms in Northumberland, and agri-agronomist Sam Brand. Having achieved a world record yield in 2015, Rod Smith talks about what limits yield, how changes in farming techniques impacts crop potential, and what he has learned and changed on his farm, ready he hopes to achieve another record-breaking yield. So Rod, on Beale Farm, how did the crops perform this year? Um, Tony, to be perfectly honest, they've been okay, um, considering the weather. Uh, the weather has been challenging this year, but um, the wheats did average 10.96. Uh, the all-seed rape did 4.9, and the spring barleys did 6.45. So not great, but to be fair, with the conditions the way they've been, quite pleasing overall. And Rod, do remind us of that world record achievement and what was the variety that you were growing at the time? It was 16.52. That was Dickens back in 2015. And Rod, what was the target that you set yourself for the last growing season? We should be, should have been, we weren't far away from over the 12 tonne, um, but we did decide to put a field in of champion into uh, the Yen Yield Enhancement Network. Um, and that did about 15 and a bit tons to the to the to the hectare. It should have done. It was quite small and shriveled. Um, the weather played a huge part of that. The two judicators that were in the field and one was on the Weybridge, their opinion was it should have been an 18 ton crop. And Sam, let's come to you as an agronomist that looks after farms across Northumberland and the wider region. How do crops perform in general? What was the bigger picture? Yeah, so up here in the north of Northumberland and the Scottish borders, winter cereals have actually yielded surprisingly well this year, considering the challenging weather conditions that we've had. Winter wheat especially has yielded particularly well despite these conditions, um, but all seed rape yields have been variable this year and generally back on yield compared with last season. Um, I think this is down to very hot and dry conditions in June, which yielded smaller seeds and lower oil content, as well as wet and stormy weather in July, August, which may have contributed to a bit of seed loss. Thanks, Sam, for that bigger picture. And Rod, coming back to Beale Farm, what do you think got in the way? What limited achieving that yield that you were looking for? Um, I think we probably overcooked the fertiliser. Uh, uh, and it did go down. I think Champion has a, a tendency to lean. Um, and even though we had a full PGR programme, it didn't quite hold up to it. But the weather didn't play ball. We had a huge amount of rain, probably the wettest uh, March on record. And then we had some very dry periods. We had probably 25% less solar radiation, all contributed to lack of yield. And Rod, When you talk about this variability in the weather and how it can impact crop potential, how do you build some resilience into your farm's performance? It's worse with heavier land. Um, I think you need to be careful with with heavy land, and that's the route that we've decided to go down, is to build that resilience in. And how do we go about building resilience in? We'll probably get onto that as we, we talk again later. And Sam, what do you think is the starting point for building that resilience? Well, I would say there's a number of factors which can contribute to poor yields anyway, um, weather conditions obviously being one of the main factors. 
But where I'm seeing higher yields time and time again is where growers are paying specific attention to detail to their soil health, their drill date, seed rate, and variety choice. What limits these higher yields is poor soil health, drilling too early, especially varieties that are not suited to early drilling, and finally getting the seed rate wrong for the drilling dates. And so, Rod, coming back to your farm, tell us a bit more about how you have started to build resilience into crop performance. Well, we started, um, obviously, with, with muck years ago. Uh, we didn't like the muck idea. We then decided to compost muck. Uh, we found that the composting of the muck worked extremely well, but the problems with the compost of muck, which is FYM, cattle, was it's a grass-fed diet that had brought in brooms um, and, and a bit of ryegrass, which uh, we're still trying to deal with. So with the issues... Um, that we we have sort of created ourselves, we then decide, okay, what's the other way around this? How can we combat this? And this is where cover crops came in. It was, again, we were trying to feed the soil with, with all this nutrients and goodness with the muck that we were bringing in, but then we found another problem. So farmers are all very, very good at adapting to issues. And how do we overcome these issues? Well, we decided to overcome the issue was remove the grass-fed system to the pig-fed system. So we're now using pig muck, which is reducing our uh, weed burden, or we're hoping it's going to reduce our weed burden. And the same with cover crops. We found that that's taken out quite a bit. There's a bit of competitiveness within the cover crops. And again, we've learned a lot over the years with cover cropping. Do not waste, do not delay putting cover crops in. Get the cover crop in first. Treat it as a main crop because the the advantages of the soil structure improving each year with the cover crops without benefit of leaving the cover crop till later. And Sam, that's a really interesting point that Rod makes there about bringing in the farmyard manure and it, in this case, brought in another problem. Yeah, well, I mean, on your farm, as a result of moving to low disturbance cultivations and importing you know, farmyard manure from outside sources, we have seen uh, an initial rise in grass weeds activity on farms, specifically brome and ryegrass. So the use of cover cropping over the winter period prior to drilling spring barley has helped improve the weed burden whilst uh, providing green cover over the winter period and improved soil health. And Rod, is this attention to detail that you are talking about one of the routes through to building resilience in your farm productivity? Oh, definitely. We, we've we learned, we used to be a plough-based system, plough, power harrow, and uh, the battering of the soil, the soil got to a certain size and you were just moving soils and lumps of soil around. We've now got to the stage, and, and to be fair, back then when you ploughed, we were, there was some straw that was ploughed up on the year before and it was still there. It wasn't breaking down. We had compaction in the furrow, it was wet and it smelled. You could smell this sour smell. We're now... 10 years down the down the line, we're now seeing the soil react better. It's got wormholes, it's got air, it smells better. And Rod, you talk about the soil and how it's different and how you're doing things differently on your farm to get those great changes. But how does it feel as a farmer? How satisfying is it when you drive across your land and you can see and sense these changes? Well, it's one of those routes that we went um, down 20 years ago and, and it's it's... <laughs> You've got to be quite brave, and as farmers, you, you you've got to stick to the plan. 
you've got to give it a good five years. And I do try to do everything over a good 10-year period in order to get a good average. One is weather patterns and two is whether it works. It, simplify the system, adapt. Don't be afraid to, to try different things. Um, however, be patient. I think sometimes... Uh, admittedly, we don't have the large acreages, and and there's a lot of guys out there that have huge acreages acreages to cover, and they have to go on early, and they have to work later towards the you know in, into mid mid October. We don't have that problem, so um, it might be that they have to sort out their rotation or you know look at things in a slightly different way. But certainly, we've addressed it in our way, which suits us. And we are learning all the time. We've learned by our mistakes. I'm not saying it's the right way, but it's, it's it seems to be the right way that we're going because the soil's reacting accordingly and we're seeing the benefits from that. And Sam, what are you noticing that's changing on other farms in the area in the way in which farmers are looking after and managing their soils? Well, by reducing soil disturbance, um, incorporating... Uh, organic manures uh, such as compost into the soil and maintaining cover crops over over the winter prior to drilling spring crops, we've been able to significantly improve the overall health of the soil, which has directly led to higher sustainable yields. By integrating our own soil management plan, we've been able to increase organic matter levels, improve the structure of the soil and increase the earthworm and microbial activity. So what we've seen as a result um, is an improvement in soil aggregation an improvement in water infiltration and drainage, an increase in fertility as well as an increase in the availability of nutrients to the growing crop. And Rod, I know that you are involved with various trials on your farm and one including cover crops. There's a lot more to go and I'm sure we will be um, soil specific in the way that we'll find out with these trials what cover crops work on the lighter land, which ones work on the heavier land and medium land. We are, we are still experimenting with the cover crops that we use. and um, We're using two radishes and phacelia because it has to be cost effective at the same time because if you stick a huge amount of species in, while it is absolutely fantastic and very helpful to the soil, it's also very expensive. And farmers don't like to spend too much. And that's something that we learned this year was we've been putting cover crops in quite cheaply but actually what we did was we did a, a, an experiment with the cheap method, which is still growing and it's fine and it's probably going to come away. But the direct stuff, direct drilled into uh, the, uh, this cover crop, it's been absolutely fantastic for the cover crop establishment. And I think the rewards from the cover crop will be so much better for the following spring barley crop jump back to Harvest 2015 and watch the video where Rod and his team share the story on how they broke the world record. Follow the link in the bio. So Rod, reflecting back on last year is one thing, but what are your plans? What are you going to do differently looking ahead to next year and possibly even going for another world record yield? What are you going to do differently? Probably not an awful lot. Um... What we have done is 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 drill drill later. We would try and drill around about the first second week of September, but because of disease issues and pressures, we've decided to try. Hence the reason why we um, went from a four meter combination, 
which was burning a lot of fuel um, and, and probably destroying the soil. So we've now gone to a direct drill, time drill, and we are seeing that that's reacted. It's, it's, it's gone in quite well. It surprised me how well it's gone in. Um, it has not direct drilling, don't, don't get me wrong. We are going in with a chit. Um, so we're trying to follow in behind after the bales are removed. We're getting a, a very shallow cultivation to any brooms or any grass weeds to get a flush and trying to be patient, again, back to this patience for as long as possible and and until we think we've got a good enough flush of weeds to then spray them off and then go in and drill it after that. And Rod, do you describe your farming techniques as regenerative farming, uh, traditional farming, or a bit of both? How do you describe it? It's a bit of both, to be fair. I think we're because we're using um, cover crops and we're feeding the soil with with muck, um, but we're also trying to be sympathetic by just doing a very softly approach by taking um, moving a small amount of soil. A lot of the main till purists will say you don't need to. You, you know the land at the t- we we find with wheel marks and a little bit of compaction that sometimes that very lovely fireball layer of soil is quite handy to be mixed in. And because we're putting um, compost on, that that is actually a starter fertilizer. So to mix that into the soil as soon as possible to benefit that following crop, we think is an advantage. Listening to you, Rod, you have this incredible understanding, this grasp of exactly what's going on on your farm and how that's changing. How do you do that? Um, I think, no, I think by wa- walking over the fields. We used to walk over fields and the agronomists, I've got two separate agronomists and both agronomists would say the same. It's actually becoming easier to walk across the fields. They're firmer with a little bit of sponge. You know, there's a little bit of give. Well, that means, and you, we admittedly, we are using the spade more. So by digging into the soil and seeing the wormholes, the masses and masses of wormholes through. We never saw that before. It was, you know, it's almost um, it's like an aero bar. You remember the chocolate aero bars that we had? It's fully aerated all the way through, and that's worms. And, and you, you know, so whatever we're doing as part of this jigsaw, we are putting the building blocks in for the future. And that's what I wanted to leave behind for my, my kids and my, my son. Um, is saying, look, if there's an easier way and a better way of doing things and we can make a healthier crop and reduce inputs and reduce the the reliance on too much chemical and too much fertiliser, because I think the amount of fertiliser that's locked up in soils, we're not quite, you know, if you've got compaction issues, we're not utilising that fertiliser efficiently. So if we can become more efficient in that and the root structures find it easier to get down, so there's better water infiltration, better drainage, and the worms, the worms are doing most uh, most of that for us. So to plough the worms up or to destroy their habitat is probably the wrong thing to do. And Rod, I hear you talking about using less inputs. The big question is, at the end of the day, are you seeing an improvement in your farm's profitability? We are, definitely. Um, for instance, you know, from a combination system, plow-based system with power harrows and combinations, 
um, the, the fuel usage was enormous. We were 25, 30 uh, litres a hectare um, for the combination, and we are down to seven. So uh, these figures, you start adding that up over a 400 hectare farm to 500 hectare. That's quite significant. That's one job. We're seeing the same with lighter cultivations. Um, again, slightly wider machines, but just, just, and again, being patient, um, addressing the, the 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 farm fields at the right time, um, and and being patient to walk away and leave them and let let them green up naturally. That's also doing it. But you're mixing that top nice fireball there, so that that that's quite crucial to getting things right. Thanks, Rod. And Sam, to help bring this podcast to a conclusion, what would be the key messages that you would like growers and listeners to take away that could be useful for their farm? Yeah, if you're not uh, doing so already, consider a move to a more reduced tillage system, um, but certainly seek advice from uh, your current agronomist as this will require careful planning and patience. But uh, over time, you will see an improvement to your soil health. Also consider incorporating organic manures into your soils on a regular basis. Um, if you don't have stock on farm, look for ways to get it on farm using arrangements such as dropper muck deals, as this will make all the difference in the long run. Finally, consider drill dates, seed rate and varietal choice. This obviously differs across the country, but generally early drilled crops are going to, see, are going to suffer uh, more from disease pressure and lodging risks and therefore a loss in yield. And Rod, what would you like to share from your experiences of farming Beal Farm that could be useful for other growers who are listening today? Um, Don't be afraid to try new ways. I think that's important. Uh, Be patient. Um, The good thing about farmers is that they are adaptable and they have always been able to adapt. And in this situation, I think they've got to be able to adapt to climate change. I think climate change and the extreme weather patterns is what we are uh, seem to be experienced more and more of, and we're told that that's going to happen. So if they can go down this slight regen, they don't have to have everything regen, try and work together, try and work with livestock guys that are desperate for straw. We see a lot of straw from the north going south, um, vice versa, from uh, across to the west. There are places that will take um, straw. There's straw for muck deals. If not, There'll be just various digestates that people are, are able to use. Um, there's there's opportunities there if people are willing to go out there and look for it. And I do think that to feed your soils and and maybe the guys down south have got huge problems with the black grass, in which we do not want up north, um, they, they will have to change to spring cropping. Um, and but cover crops for us is an alternative, you know, taking things out and putting it into a low input spring barley crop. That might be the way forward for some of these for some of these guys. Thank you, Rod and Sam, for sharing your experiences and insights that hopefully will lead to another world record at Beale Farm. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer-term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.